30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on that shirt? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. Fortress of Nerditude, it's the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, with your hosts, Josh Davis and Tyler McDaniel. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Advertising Expressions, Tennessee Legend Distillery, Gatlinburg Brewing Company, and Encore Theatrical Company. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is a bad cast company production a member of the inner circle and a survivor of the apocalypse. Find 30 and Nerdy Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Learn more about 30 and Nerdy Podcast at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Got something to say? Email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Now, it's time. To nerd up or shut up, the nerds are here. Welcome back to the Fortress of Nerditude, nerds and nerdettes, and to another week of the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I'm your host with the most, the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, joined of course by the co-host, the podfather, the juicy one, Doctor Joshua Davis. <laughs> hey man. Hey man, how's it going? Uh, you know it's going. Another week uh, has got, come and gone. Yeah, life's moving fast. It does. Fall is here. It's a nice brisk fall evening here in beautiful East Tennessee. Why do we call it fall? Uh, as opposed to autumn. Yeah. When did we? Did, Why don't we is just that call American? It cold. Is that an American thing? I don't know. Probably. I just don't get not saying autumn and saying fall. Like, if I were to genuinely ask that to somebody, I feel like they'd be like, well, because leaves fall. Well, we don't call uh, winter snow. We don't call spring swim. Well, it doesn't like always rain. snow around here. Though. We don't call summer hot or swim or beach. But why? <laughs> like, beach. like, if you use that mentality that, that someone said to me, because I said, why do we call autumn fall? When did we start doing that? I said, well, the leaves fall. And I said, there are things that happen in the other seasons that we didn't change the name to that season. But to be fair... To be fair... Would you not say, sir, that leaves fall in the fall everywhere? 
Yes. But it does not necessarily snow everywhere in the winter. Well, no. We go winters without snow. Oh. It's just really bitter. We've gone too like many biting winters. Biting cold. Aside from last winter. Uh, yes. I don't know. That's just here in fall. It, it, I had this conversation with someone at work, and they were just like, well, leaves fall. And I said, there are things that happen in the other sea. We don't call spring rain. These are the uh, important questions. These are the important Why do we, we drive on a parkway and park on a driveway? Yeah. I don't get it. And, oh, I have another one, and I forgot it. Dang it. I feel like we make things harder on ourselves than we really should. Why is Wednesday spelled Wednesday? Wednesday. Well, in, in Europe, I actually, when I was in London, heard people say Wednesday. They said it, the, they hit Bless the you. wed. Yes. And they would say it as if the WD. Wednesday. Wednesday. They'd say it just really quick instead of Wednesday. Not the same. Like we like do, you'd hear Wednesday. I don't care for it. I know. That's weird. That's weird. So, we are back. Uh, lots to talk about. There is. Uh, a whole lot to talk about. A lot has happened in the last week. Uh, so, uh, first off, don't forget to follow us all over social media. We have been tweeting up a storm about everything we've been doing and witnessing and watching. Uh, so, go to 30nerdypodcast.com. Go to the directory. Keep up with us on social media because there are a lot of things that happen throughout the week that we're not just going to jump into a podcast recording and talk about it it'll be on our social medias so the first thing i want to discuss is we finally saw venom 2 we did we did <coughs> yeah <laughs> as as rich from three fat nerds said if venom 2 didn't happen wonder woman 84 would have been the worst superhero film of the pandemic era Oof. would you still put Wonder Woman 84 above yeah. Venom 2? Yeah. 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 But the thing is, though, it, it wasn't We bad. didn't leave like, angry. It or, wasn't bad. It was just... As a, as the Rev called it, Sony good. It's I Sony mean, good. I guess. But at the same time, like, Into the Spider-Verse was Sony, and it was oh, yeah. top notch. I don't know what so. it is, man. We've tried to break it down. We've tried to put it into words. I know we're not crazy about Hardy's Eddie Brock. He just mumbles a lot. Yeah. That's what he sounds like the whole time. It drives me crazy. Sounds like the little the little brother from uh, Thornberry's. Donnie. Yeah. You know Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers is the voice of Donnie. I did know that. Um. Yes. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. That it is sort of like that. And and don't get me wrong. Like Tom Hardy is a phenomenal is a great actor. actor. Like he doesn't have Aiden Christensen heat with me. <laughs> He, he's a great actor, and like one of my all-time favorite movies that is really, in my opinion, unappreciated is called Lawless. Like, oh, with a, him and Shia? Of, yeah, one of my all-time favorites. Quality. He's great in that movie. Quality film. But for some reason, he's just not, for me, he's not yeah. killing it as Eddie Brock. Yeah, and I mean, we're not going to spoil it here, even though it's been past the embargo, because if we were to start talking spoilers... Yeah. Would be here forever. And it wasn't spoiled for me, so... No, and I wouldn't want to... So, go see it. Let us know what you think about it. Carnage is in it. I think Woody Harrelson does a good job. Yeah. As Cletus Cassidy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... But at the same something's time... Something's also missing. You know, I mean, the, Spider-Man is the reason that we have Venom I and Carnage. I feel like... Did, were we doing the show when the first Venom came out? <clears throat> yeah. Did we talk about it? Yeah. Because I feel like I said something like that. Like, it was cool... But something was missing. I just kept feeling like something's missing. And it's really hard. Like, if in the future we see Spider Man versus Venom in some capacity, like, it's going to be hard because 
so much so much of the audience has grown to love Venom as pretty much like a hero or yeah. an anti-hero, you know. The lethal like, protector. What do you do yeah. when it's him and Spider-Man? Exactly. I think it's going to be more like a face rock and face stone cold type thing. Yeah. Something pits them together. But, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. And I is and I can't remember because I'm a terrible Spider-Man fan, but like, is there... Is the whole thing with Carnage or uh, Cletus, like in the, the romance thing, is that from anything? Or is uh, that just for the movie? I didn't read a lot of Spider-Man. I mean, I read a lot, but I didn't read a lot. Like... Cause it just, I just didn't. To me, like when I think of Cletus Cassidy, I think ruthless, Nuts. serial crazy. killer, crazy. And this sort of made him more human. It did. And I don't know that I cared for that. It did. Um, I think that a lot of things, a lot of IPs and entertainment these days are humanizing villains. And we don't necessarily always need that. I don't need my, to feel sorry for my villains every movie I see it. Um. And that is straight from the comics. With the, uh, the the love story with Shriek and all. With that. Shriek. Yeah, that is true. So, okay. Okay. But I still don't love it. Yeah. So I mean, go see it. Let us know how you feel about it. Uh, stay for the post credit scene, obviously, oh, yeah. uh, because it is a game changer. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So the next thing I want to talk about is between last week's episode and this week's episode, we had DC Fandom. Mm-hmm. A uh, big reason that DC was not at New York Comic Con was because they have their own thing now. They have this entirely virtual, global awesomeness that was DC fandom. Last year is kind of what saved nerds for a while during the heat of the pandemic was, oh man, it's kind of like a con that I can do in my living room for free <laughs> and celebrate with other DC fans. Well, this year they brought it back uh, also, not in person, all online. Uh, streaming constantly throughout the day on their YouTube, their website, dcfandom.com. Um, You've seen every bit of it, right? Yes, I have seen it in <laughs> its entirety. Not. I've not seen every bit of it. I'll tell you what I have seen. Okay. I saw the first look at Black Adam mm-hmm. with Pierce Brosnan and Dwayne Johnson talking. And all the little that. teaser? Yeah. Saw that where he like crushed the yeah. dude. Yeah. That was pretty cool. So yeah. I'm excited about that. Um. There was more, but I'm blanking. Uh, so we also got a little bit of a teaser from the Flash movie. I now oh, yeah. actually believe it's actually happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the I did see the that. movie is going to happen. Yep. Um, new Batman trailer. New Batman, the Batman. Yeah. Which let me tell you, the fact that they haven't really showed us Paul Dano, I love that. Me too. And in all honesty, I don't think when the movie comes out we should entirely see him. Maybe glimpses of his profile, maybe a turn towards... But if we didn't see his entirety, the entire film, I would not be angry. It'd be like Jigsaw or like Zodiac. It's very ominous, man. And as a massive Riddler fan, he's your favorite DC villain. He is. I gotta ask, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm stoked. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked because <clears throat> Jim Carrey... Yeah. Really set the bar high when we were kids, man. Say what you want about the uh, those, the movies, those Batman movies yeah. after Tim Burton, but Jim Carrey was oh, awesome. Yeah. It was over the, the top. Okay, it was... part of the reason why I love the character so much. That was really, you know, early exposure to him for me. Yeah. Uh, other than the animated series, so I'm stoked about it. 
And, you know, I see what you're saying about the whole Jaws thing, like yeah. let's keep him a mystery, and that would totally fit for him. But at the same time, man, I've been waiting for this for so long. Like, we had to go through the whole Dark Knight trilogy with no trace of the Riddler at all. So, I'm ready for him. Yeah. So, I'm ready to go full on out with Riddler. But also, at the same time, I like the idea of yeah. him being like that. And maybe he sticks around for a little while. Yeah. You know, that'd be cool, too. Well, I know that Matt Reeves' idea is to do his own singular trilogy, kind of like Nolan did. No connections. Just a trilogy of Batman stories done after that that's reeves goal initially in the beginning what he said is i want to tell my singular trilogy that's it well and there's going to be two like spin-off tv shows well yeah he's going to be working on hbo max stuff uh so we saw that trailer we saw a teaser of the flash with keaton's voiceover in it uh we see two ezra miller flashes in it which was one of them wearing like a batman suit yeah yeah it's like a a old batman suit with the lightning bolt spray painted on it we see supergirl in it which is intriguing i'm Um, guessing this earth it wasn't clark who came to earth it was kara yeah so that'll be intriguing um and uh it's it's it looks good um you know, I mean, it's it's kind of up there with. It slowly became the new mutants joke. Is it really going to happen? Are we really going to see it? I mean, they can tease us all they want, but it hasn't come out yet. Uh, so, you know, I mean, and we got some some looks at season eight of the Flash and. Oh really? I no, missed that. just like a new suit and. Uh, Is it the last? They season? haven't said. They haven't said. Love me some this flash, is the last but season. It's, it's time. I think it is. I think they're running out of ideas, man. Uh, there wasn't there also some Aquaman stuff. There is uh, some little behind the it, scenes but... of Aquaman too. Uh, we're going to see the return of Black Manta, which he was phenomenal. We're going to see the return of Patrick Wilson as Orm. Uh, the return of Heard is. Uh, Amber Heard is. Uh, Amber Heard is yeah. I mean. Mira. Despite where, everybody stands, they're. You know, it's a pretty crazy stance that they're taking that Warner Brothers would fire Johnny and keep Amber. So, I think it's an intriguing Ooh. stance to make. Shazam? We did get a little bit of a Shazam sequel look. Uh, it looks exciting. I would imagine that maybe its post credit scene will have Black Adam in it. Mm, to yeah, link towards yeah. the third, like them finally going toe-to-toe. So, when is Shazam coming? Uh, not till 2023. Oh, man. I know. Uh, we will get to see Black Adam before that. The the new Batman before that. And I think Aquaman's before it. But Shazam yeah. is at the top of my DC yeah. list uh, as far as the, the movies go. So We also saw some Peacemaker stuff. Uh, a little bit of a teaser trailer to that as well. He's teaming up, it looks like, with Vigilante who we have seen a version of Vigilante from the Arrow show that was done a little darker, a little more broody, a little more villain-esque. Um, but this Vigilante is a little comical. He's almost got a Deadpool charm to him in this okay. show. So it'll be intriguing. Um, we also, one I'm really excited about that we got a little bit of info about is called uh, Batman Cape Crusader. Matt Reeves, J.J. Abrams, Bruce Timm, who was originally involved in the the Batman the Animated Series. James Tucker, um, they shared some insights about what we can expect. 
I'm all about it. I'm very excited about that. Ooh, Sandman, the Netflix series. That was yes. uh, featured. Yes. Because that is DC property, of course. It is. It is. Uh, they talked a little bit about the new narrative podcast coming out, Batman and Buried, uh, that we months ago talked about on in our nerdly news section. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take place in a universe where Bruce Wayne is... Like a coroner or something under GCPD or a CSI tech or something like that. He's not the the Bruce Wayne that we know. So that'll be an interesting take. Uh, we got some uh, the green light for not just Young Justice Season 4, but Titan Season 4. Right. We right. got that green light. Uh, they talked a little bit about The Legends of Tomorrow, a new Catwoman animated movie, Batwoman, Gotham Knights, the video game. There's so much coming out over the, the uh, next couple of years. The new Superman mission statement? Yes. Uh, Truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. And a better tomorrow. I love it. I love it. I don't know why everybody's up in arms. Superman if, ain't really from America, guys. Yeah, he's really not. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of people who like to quote Superman... <laughs> You really don't read Superman, obviously. And there's a lot of hate uh, about Superman's son coming out as bisexual. Well, of course there is. Uh, but, I mean, Aqua... Well, most people are probably mad because like, oh, they're, they done went and turned Superman gay, not yeah. even bothering to dig into yeah, it's his the story son. to see that it's not the Superman. It's not Superman. You know, he's still yeah. straight white American. Straight white American. And they didn't say Jack when... Tim Drake came out as bisexual, or Aqualad did in the past year. So, it's just that it's Superman and it's a big S, and they think he screams America. When legitimately, he's from another planet. <laughs> so, I just I just don't get it. But, I mean, the Injustice animated film trailer is probably, aside from the Batman... What piqued my interest the most? And I think that did that drop today. Like, did the movie come out? Yeah, today? the movie's out. Woo! We may need to tack that on somewhere in November. Yeah. To talk about, because that I have been I'm looking sure forward great. to. Uh, but I also, you know, really wanted a a, a teaser for the third game because we know we're getting a third game, a third Injustice game. We know it's going to happen. So yeah, of course. hopefully. Maybe shortly after the movie does really good for a few months, they'll say, oh, by the way, here's the trailer for the game. Uh, I'm excited, man. Uh, So much DC content. Um, I'm just excited. I'm excited that it was good because there was an opportunity. You know, there was that dead, that lame duck period between New York Comic Con and DC fandom where I was thinking they didn't go to New York. They're really... Dying on this hill of fandom happening the weekend after. What if it sucks? <laughs> oh, what if they DC their own fandom? Yeah. And they didn't. So oh, yeah. it was. it's a positive Tons to look forward to. Tons of good to. stuff, man. And, and I'm really, really looking forward to yeah. pretty much all of this stuff. Absolutely. Like, this man. is really, really, really exciting Blue stuff. Blue Beetle? I mean, we're getting a movie about Blue Beetle? Well, um, I'm really happy for you because for the past, like, 11, 12 years, I've had all this Marvel, like yeah. heavenly yeah. Marvel goodness, uh, thanks to the MCU yeah. and, and whatnot. And so now you guys are finally... The next few years, we're going to have quite a bit of content coming out. Yeah. Now, if we get to that content and it's bad, 
You'll be the first to hear it from me. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, so moving on, while while DC fandom was going on, I was actually at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee, for a Tennessee football game. As one does on As a one does Saturday in the Saturday autumn. In the autumn. I've talked a little bit about being a Tennessee fan. We both have. I've talked about yeah. going to the games. Um, Saturday night, first off, these season tickets are the same five season tickets that my da- my dad's dad had when dad was five or six. So they've been in our, our hands for 50-something years. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously it has now made national news that a catastrophe happened at Neyland Stadium. Yeah, we lost. Well, aside from the loss, <laughs> how we reacted to the loss. Yeah. Uh, we tacked on another black eye. Uh, so that's the thing is nobody needs to really beat down Tennessee because we do it well ourselves. Yeah. As a fan base, as a very toxic fan base. Oh, yeah. We've been a very toxic fan base for the past 15 years. Is What's crazy is the same... Uh, people who were saying it's not been good since Fulmer got fired were the people screaming fire Fulmer that year. Same people. And the same people who were throwing garbage at the stadium would have Lane Kiffin back tomorrow if he were to say, I'm coming back yeah, to We coach. need to give some context for yes. people who may not understand. So Saturday, there were some bad calls. We were playing Ole Miss, and Ole Miss's head coach is Lane Kiffin. Now, if you are a pro football fan, you know him from the Oakland Raiders. Uh, but he left the Oakland Raiders shortly after our f- our last really successful coach, Phil Fulmer, was fired. Um, he was our first coach after Phil. This was 2007, 2008, something like that. Uh, yeah. And gave us a seven and five season and a bowl win. And the mid the and a, the night of the winning bowl game, he had a midnight press conference and said. I'm leaving Tennessee. I'm taking my dream job at USC. Good night and good luck. And he was out. He jumped on his private jet and he left. Yep. Uh, so obviously that leaves us harboring some pretty ill will against him. So he has been on Alabama as an assistant coach, but this was his first time back in Knoxville as a head coach with Ole Miss. And the place was checkerboarded, which we never went. Oh, the stadium looked great. The stadium looked Beautiful. I mean, being there live with an actual sold-out capacity crowd, checkerboarded perfectly, under the lights. It was beautiful. It was awesome. The energy was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't play very well in the first half, but we came back in the second half. Uh, I mean, we if you cut it into halves, they won the first half. We won the second half. Uh, Play-wise. always plays like that, too. They, 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 they all pick a half yep. and play well. It's always one half yeah. or the other. It's not the whole four quarters. Yeah. So... There were some bad calls. There's always bad calls. No matter which side you root for, a referee squad will not get 100% of the calls right. Never. Because they're, at the end of the day, human. And fallible. Yeah. Yeah. So, however, though, the three really, really bad calls that the refs made against Tennessee were abundantly incorrect. And most refs in the last couple of days have come out and said, Ooh, yeah, I probably would report this. This this refing squad to the NCAA. I probably would. I really would. Um, so we had a chance to come back and win. Really, uh, in the final seconds, we would have, and we would have won. And so 
a ref who was 45 yards away after a fourth down, you know, not really a Hail Mary, but like a last-ditch effort on the fourth down, um, Hooker throws the ball, and the receiver catches it, runs for a while, and gets tackled. Well, if you look on the screen, he's clearly past the yellow marker. But a ref, or a field judge, from 45 yards away came up and spot the ball short. He was the furthest away from the ball, but he got to make that call. Which was, first of all, terrible. So, obviously, things start getting wild. Yeah. It was... It was outrageous it was me maddie dad and christopher and things started getting chucked onto the field and i have never seen that in my life i mean i've seen like streamers you know and stuff like that beach balls but i've never seen anything like this full beer bottles or beer cans water bottles some person who witnessed it in the section t near the petros who watched it happen on the little TV by the Petros. While they witnessed that crap happen, they went and grabbed a concession stand's mustard bottle yeah. and ran out to the concourse and threw it. Yep. So they were just throwing whatever they could find. Golf Seats, balls. golf balls. They hit Lane Kiffin with a golf ball. And I'm a huge Vol fan. Uh, I mean, my fir- one of my first memories, I was probably six, seven years old of a game. <sighs> But I was embarrassed that night. The yeah. first time I was looking around and Maddie was, you know, shocked. Dad was shocked. I mean, we're looking around and I'm like, should we get out of here? And a beer can comes over our heads so slightly and beer pours on me and Maddie. And I immediately just look at Dad and let's go. Uh, so we left. Uh, I was not going to be there. I was not going to allow either Dad or Maddie to get hit by a and beer can. And at this point, like... There's 52 seconds of the game yeah. left, and they had to pause the whole game for about 20 minutes yeah. just to get things, you know, calmed down. We were down. back on the interstate before the, the game even started back. The was, they ejected. all were sent home. Yeah. Um, the band was ejected, the, the cheerleaders. No, the band, they weren't ejected. Not they ejected, w- but yeah, for they safety. W- had to leave, like, they willingly leave. Like, you can see all the cheerleaders running. They've got their signs and stuff, yeah. like, over their heads. Not a good look. Not a good look. Not a good look at all, especially to be on national television and all the news coverage that, mm-hmm. you know, has, has gone on as a result. Yeah. Not a good look for us as if uh, East Tennessee yeah. needed, needed one more yeah. reason, especially The one Disney thing football. that I wanted to say is, in their, they weren't in their right minds. There was anger and alcohol and all that, fusing it. Um did they think Lane Kiffin was going to have to clean up that field? <laughs> like, I wanted to look at him and go, do you think the Ole Miss squad is going to have to clean up your garbage, you idiot? No, our staff, is people who have families that they need to get home to, are going to have to stay later to clean up the garbage you threw, you ruthless redneck. They should have left it and had the students come they back. They should have. Yeah. I mean, they're getting fined. The university is getting fined uh, $250,000. Yeah. And that's going to come out of TV money. Money that helps the university. The University of Tennessee is already $40 million in debt because of coaches we fired in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And that money is coming out of money that helps the university. It's not coming out of beer sales, which I personally think. Okay, I'm a drinker. I've I've not hidden that. 
I, I like to indulge on an uh, adult beverage because I am over the age of 21. Yeah. However, a few years ago when they started saying they're going to start selling alcohol inside Neyland Stadium and it's going to get approved, I was like, there's no need. There really is not a need. Number one, it's going to be $14 a can. The lines are going to be drastically long. People are still going to continue to get drunk during the game as opposed to tailgating and coming in and throughout the four quarters sobering up. Ooh, especially on those night games when oh, you've been out there all day. They've been there day. all day. Most people have been there. Well, by the time we got there, we took it easy. We were like, we're just going to you know, eat something chill. We're just going to show up in the parking lot a couple hours. We're going to go to the tailgate that my brother who works for Cherokee Distributing, you know, free food, food, stuff like that. You've done it before with us. It was just going to be relaxed. But we were running into people who had been there since 11 o'clock that day. I was like, you've been drinking since 11 uh, o'clock? Some of the people that I saw at Louder Than Life. Probably, yeah. Yeah, probably. But anyway. But I guess my stance is that was absolutely embarrassing. It was. And I was embarrassed for... Um, the players, because at the end of the day, these are 18 to 20-year-old kids. Kids playing a sport that they love. And their fans are acting that way. I was embarrassed to be wearing orange at the time. You know, I love the Vols. And their classmates. And their classmates. And the people who weren't throwing things, I was embarrassed for them, too, to see this riot, basically. And not to defend it or anything like that by any means, but like... You know, I get when you have had years and years and oh. years of, of... It's pent-up aggression. I get it. I get it. I mean, we saw what happened, you know, yeah. la- last summer, summer before, yeah. you know, the George Floyd stuff and all yeah. that. Like, not great that it, it happened, but yeah. it's like, okay. What'd you expect? I, I, I get it, yeah. but, you know, this is a football There's game. There's a lot of... at the end, That's a, another thing. At the end of the day, it's a freaking game, it's a people. Football game. You weren't going to be – it wasn't like if Tennessee loses, every fan here gets shot in the head. It wasn't like that. This isn't the Hunger Games. This isn't the Squid Games. We weren't going to be killed if Tennessee lost. And I understand it was a terrible call, and I understand that it sucks to lose yet again and to lose to a guy who screwed us over like Lane Kiffin. But at the end of the day, it is a game. These are the same people who probably have broken TV screen after TV screen, rage quitting on Halo and Call of Duty. I mean, that's the generation that was throwing stuff. I didn't see a lot of elderly people throwing beer cans. I saw a lot of the war game generation that we discussed in a, in a previous episode. Yeah, I remember that. They were the people throwing things because of that anger. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to stop talking about it. But if you have not seen it, I hope you won't go look it up because it's such a black eye on us like we needed another one. Uh, however... The 16th was also a great day because oh, yeah. it's my sister Peyton and your lovely wife Becky's birthday. Yeah. They birthday, share a birthday. Uh, how was Becky's? It was great. We had a nice, lazy day at home. Good. Just chilled. Good. Well, Peyton was out celebrating in Nashville with a bunch of friends mm-hmm. on her actual birthday. And then we did stuff on Sunday, like cooked lunch, stuff like that. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, I, I told them, I said, I'm jealous of October birthdays because it's my favorite month. The oh, things yeah, you can do with an October birthday. I was like, mine's in April. Pool's not even open yet. What am I going to do? Like, At least spring. mine's like in the middle of the yeah, summer. Yeah, yours so. in the middle of the summer. 
Nolan's is in May. Pool's open, pretty yeah. much. Uh, his birthday was always combined with end of school year summer parties. And I'm like, I had like Twilight skating rink birthday parties <laughs> and stuff like that. I was like, April, pools aren't open. It's rainy. Yeah, but if there's one thing about your family, though, you guys celebrate. Like, well, yeah. You guys celebrate anytime you there's can. There's a chance anything. to celebrate. You guys do it right. Yeah. Some of us got dressed up as a tree for Halloween. Some of <laughs> us got to be Batman. Okay, so count your blessings. Uh, speaking of that, we are been extremely busy. All right, we've got shows going on. Oh. You're directing a show. Yeah. How's it's it going? Crazy. Like my premiere show as the theater teacher at my school. Tried mm-hmm. to do a show last year, didn't quite work out because you know there's a pandemic going on. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, it's going to be great. And I think, for the most part, every single kid in my cast, this is their first performance. Now, this, you were directing Oh yeah, the show that was your first show in yes, high school, right? Yes, it's very, very special that this is my first show because when I was in high school and I was one of these scared little yeah. green, you know, Actors, yeah, um, in Union County. In Union County, <laughs> this was the one we picked because it's funny. It's called Almost Treasure Island. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I let the kids pick. I didn't just choose this one because oh, I have you know this connection. It's going to, to it. be sentimental. I we read it together because yeah. I gave them two or three options, and they wanted to do this one yeah. because I did tell them about that connection to it, and it's going to be great. So it's next week. I'm excited. And I'm, you know, burning the candle at both ends, trying to get ready, yeah. but that's part of it. It's what I signed up for, so. Well, Sherlock, uh, yesterday was uh, our first official off-book day. We attempted it last Monday, and after that Not rehearsal, good. TJ was like, so we're going to put scripts back in your hand this week and we'll do off book next monday i was like oh thank god it sounds terrible to hear that from your director like you guys did that bad that we're putting scripts just so we can get some work done uh the rest of this week but today yesterday and today went much better uh sherlock as you know loves to speak loves the sound of his own voice why say 20 words to get a thought across when you could say 400 and they can be the biggest words you know and then I go play Watson in Act 4, cause, so like it's broken up in four acts. And each act is the Sherlock and the Watson change. So I'm OG Sherlock, 1874 or something like that. Sherlock. You have the pipe and the hat. Yeah, the, the pipe, the hat, the coat, and my Watson's older and, you know, the cane and more traditional. Yeah. How Sir Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle wrote it. Right. Then we go to Act 2, Sherlock and Watson change to do two totally different people. And it's in World War II era. So it jumps. And then we go to Act 3, where I'm just, I, I just have a few lines. The Sherlock and Watson change again, change cast members. And it takes place in the 60s, the 1960s. Groovy, baby. Yeah. And then the Act 4, where I become Watson, is the 1990s. It's grunge, you know, it's cigarettes. And the 1990s Sherlock, instead of smoking, is going to be chewing Nicorette gum. Wow. Because 90s, you know, they started taking away smoking sections at restaurants, and people were trying to quit smoking. That was what was popular, was to quit smoking and chew the Nicorette gum. I feel like smoking really has died down. Thank God, finally. Like, I hardly ever. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't see much cigarette smoke anymore. Um, It's because people vape now. Yeah. Do you vape, bro? Uh, So it's going to be a lot of fun, but in the midst of this, also... 
on Saturday, okay? Saturday was a big day. <laughs> we had DC Fandome. Uh, we saw Venom the night before. We had the Tennessee football catastrophe. It was Peyton and Becky's birthday. I get an email. <laughs> We're on the way to the Tennessee game. I get an email. Emma first Emma Andrews texts and says, "You're in you're in all together now with Encore." And I went, <laughs> "Am I? <laughs> Funny. I didn't audition for it." <laughs> and she goes, "Check your email." And I have an email from Melanie Coffee, who we both know, we both love. Yeah, great one, great woman. She's stage managing it. Here are the people taking part in All Together Now. And it opens my tech week for Sherlock. Great. So, I was like, quick question, red flag here, you know. Uh, I didn't audition for this. <laughs> like, when I saw Dennis at Frozen, I said, how would one take part in All Together Now? He said, you just send me a video, you know, minute, minute and a half of you singing something. Something Broadway. You know, something that really accents your voice. I said, okay. Well, two days later, I get asked by TJ, do you want to come do Sherlock? And I was weighing. I was like, I'd rather do Sherlock. Yeah. You know? Straight yeah. play. Don't have to worry about learning music. And a chance to play both Sherlock and Watson. Yeah. And I was like, heck yeah. You know, stretch the legs a little bit more. Well, then I get an email on Saturday. <laughs> You're in all together now. So I emailed her. I was like, uh, Melanie, I didn't audition for this. I inquired about it, but I never followed through with an audition tape because I knew I was going to be Sherlock, and this is when it takes place. And then Dennis finally emails me, <laughs> and he says, I really think we can make this work, Tyler. I was like, okay, how are we going to make this work? He said, well, TJ has the theater that weekend in the day for your all's tech. We have the theater at night for the performance, and you can do all the rehearsal on your own with your own, you know, accompanist, whatever, do all the rehearsal on your own. You'd really only have to be there one night of tech to just say you know it, you know when you're going, and then, you know, the next three days you'll have tech in the morning for Sherlock and then come perform at night. And oh, I was like, oh, what wow. am I singing? This is the moment from Jekyll and Hyde. By yourself, the whole thing? By myself, the whole thing. Honored I am. Uh, but... A bit nervous. I would be. As well. That's a tough song. That's a very tough song. Yeah. Um, and I've been practicing it and rehearsing it already. I already knew it, obviously. Yeah. You know, thankfully it was that, not something from the Heathers. That's a, the ho that's a David Hasselhoff song. It's a Hoff song. Guy. It is. And uh, Osmond did it, too. Osmond played true, Jekyll true, for a true, little bit. Uh, so, yeah. And I was just like, you know what? He stroked my ego a little bit. Yeah, he does that. <laughs> so I was like, I, I, I can do this. I've literally used those exact same words to him before. You're stroking to my Dennis. ego. I was like, man, Careful. Dennis, you really know how to... Yeah, it, I, he. Uh, my name was listed as like a, a music director I remember that. thing that was on recent. the website. That was recent. And I was like, no, that's not going to work, That's guys. not what we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Well, it just shows they think highly of us. Ah. And why wouldn't they? More highly than we think of ourselves. Must be. <laughs> Which I guess is good. Yeah. Because we are our worst critics. It's true. Um, so, uh, you, we listened to ODPH. Sure, yeah. Uh, from time to time. Weekly. Did you listen this past week? I heard. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Rich, <laughs> from Three Fat Nerds. <laughs> Was on the ODPH, and they were breaking down their time at New York Comic Con, and they were like, fortunate enough to get to do press and stuff like that. 
And he talks about the night that I discussed in full excitement uh, when we got to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. Well, after he talks about it, I'm not going to say what he said, okay? This is the test. You all need to go to the ODPH, Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Listen to that episode. It's the NYCC uh, Breakdown and DC Fandom Preview. That's the episode from last week. About the 13-minute mark, they're going to start talking about it a little bit, and then Rich calls me out. Sure like. Did, buddy dropped the bomb on me yeah. uh so yeah you should go listen to that episode listeners it was i was on my way home from work and i was at the arby's in severeville you know where that red light yeah. is and i'm just at the red light and i hear that and i just freeze and i'm looking like wide-eyed in the mirror i go did he just say what i think he said good job rich but at the same time i was like Huh. I mean, he also said of 30 and nerdy, so people are going to come to listen to our show. So thanks for the plug, Rich. Yeah. But also, <laughs> I was like, Duh, I'm in a corner. <laughs> what do I do? Uh, alone in my own car, and I start feeling awkward like everyone's eyes are on me. I was like, oh. Everyone's <laughs> metaphorical eyes. Yeah, I was like, what do I do? Looking over at the car at the red light, thinking they're looking at me, and I'm shouting, Mind your business, lady! <laughs> I got something going on here. <laughs> if, like, you look over, and the, the lady in the car next to you is, like, doing the little point yeah. at the eyes, point at you thing, like... Cranking yeah. up if you like it, and you put a ring on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Every car was playing it, <laughs> like, in my in my mind. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for the call-out, Rich. Uh, I'll uh, I'll keep you updated with that. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, this—you know—we've we've talked about so much. Uh, we we have yet to to say a huge thank you again to David Horton. Last oh, week's episode, man, I have heard, I have gotten a lot of emails and some direct messages on Twitter. Uh, loved it. Good. People loved it. They Good. were entranced by by hearing him talk. A lot of great feedback. A huge shout out to Rich and Mike C of Horror Zone Six Hundred Seven. Um, if you are a fan of horror. Uh, as a genre in its entirety, you should definitely go check that show out. It's Horror Zone 607. Uh, and don't forget, David is part of a podcast as well. Johnny Has the Keys podcast. If you like sci-fi and horror, go check them out. Um, this week, however, we are talking all things Tim Burton. Old Timothy. Old Timothy Burton. Yes, uh, we're talking about the man, his myths, and the legend that he's become. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about some of the movies. You know, mm-hmm. he's done a couple. Maybe you've heard of them, like, you know, Beetlejuice. Batman. <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. Little you things. Know. Little ditties like that. Uh, no uh, no big deal. NBD. Yeah, NBD. Uh, so we will discuss some of our favorite films, the memories we had growing up in Burton's prime. Um, but he, reading about him this week and watching a bunch of his films... And I didn't create this nerd vocabulary word, but I thought it was perfect to use this as this week's nerd vocabulary word, and that's gothic fantasy. What is gothic fantasy? I'll tell you, Juice. <laughs> gothic literature emerged in Europe in the late 18th century uh, from the Romantic Literary Movement. It's characterized by passion and emotion, pleasure and terror alike, darkly lush scenery, macabre elements, and an eerie atmosphere. It slowly began to gradually transfer into it 
visual entertainment and has been seen by amazing creators like Guillermo del Toro, Marco Caro, and many others. However, no one has made the impact in the gothic fantasy genre quite like our topic of this episode, Mr. Tim Burton. More on Mr. Burton when 30 and 30 Podcast returns after this quick intermission. Tennessee Legend Distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits. With no high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or harmful ingredients, Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee. Without Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's Best Tasting Whiskey in the state of Tennessee with our Salted Caramel 60 Proof Whiskey. We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T-S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend with Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. My name is Paige, and I'm the host of Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can turn into nightmares. Join me as I tell you haunting and horrific reveries about missing people and senseless murders. I also interview survivors and people seeking justice for themselves or a loved one. New episodes come out every Monday morning, and sometimes you'll get bonus episodes on Thursdays. Wherever you're listening to this current podcast right now, you can find Reverie True Crime.
Welcome back, nerds, to 30 Nerdy Podcast, and we are talking Tim Burton. Timothy Walter Burton. I did not realize his middle name was Walter. Walter. That's my dog's middle name. Did you know that? You gave your dog a middle name? I did. Hmm. Jack Walter. Jack, Jack Walter. Walter Davis. Jack Walt. Uh, born on August 25th, 1958, and is an American film director, producer, writer, and artist. He's known for his gothic fantasy films and unique style of art and writing. Burton was born in Burbank, California, the son of Gene Burton Erickson and William Bill Burton. Bill Burton, mm, a former minor league baseball player who was working in the Burbank Parks and Recreation Department. Wow, his dad was a baseball player. Mm-hmm. You would and not think a baseball player would have Tim Burton as a child. I wonder what that was like for him growing up. Like, I wonder if he was one of those kids that was like, no, Dad, I don't want to play baseball. I don't want to be like you. He's <laughs> like, oh, any son of mine was going to play ball. And then High School Musical was born. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think this would be an interesting tale to hear because, you know, there's so many interviews with Tim where I'm sure he talks about his family. And growing up and all that. But we've never really just gotten a full documentary about Tim Burton. Like, sit him down and ask the hard questions. Uh, what was it like growing up knowing you were dark? You were a dark person. Barbara Walters, where are you when we need you? I know. Is she still alive? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Uh, well, anyway. Hope. That's what we need. We need 60 Minutes. 2020. With Tim, with Tim Burton. With Tim Burton. Because, you know, you could see that, like, in a lot of the characters, it's like they're trapped in this reality that's not, I don't know, that they don't feel like quite at home in, you know? Yeah. They feel misunderstood. Yeah. And definitely, that that was him, whether it was with his parents or not. Growing up in Burbank, California, like, especially Edward Scissorhands, right? That oh, yeah. is meant to, to sort of represent that, like, all these bright, colorful houses. Stepford families. Perfect, exactly. And he's And then got here's poor hands. Edward, who's, like, completely not different. like that. He's he's different. And it, it seems that in Tim Burton's movies, the stuff that in the real world would be, quote-unquote, normal, yeah. he always makes it more odd. Yeah. Like, the mom in... in um, Beetlejuice Ooh, with yeah. her weird hairdos yeah. and her weird art yeah. and all that. But yeah, Dilly the dog, is the Lydia. outcast, the black. Dilly is the, the big rich. Oh, she's so artistic and she's normal and people want to be Dilly. People want to meet Dilly. She's but the only normal from person. From our perspective, Dilly and Otho and Chuck are. Not bad guys, but they're like this establishment. This they're, just freaking let Lydia be where she wants to. Pigs, yeah, they're capitalist man. pigs, man. Uh, so that's why Lydia is like normal to us in that lens, but I she really isn't alone. Normal. I am utterly, utterly alone. alone. Or Jack, like. Just shut up and do your job, Jack. Just do Halloween. That's yeah, what you are. Something. You're the pumpkin king. We do Halloween. And he's like, oh, no, but there's so much more there's out there. And they're like, no, there. stop, you stop, know, Jack. You're the king of Halloween. Well, um, he came around in the end. He did. He did. Um, We're getting I mean, ahead of ourselves. There is a trope. There's there's a trope. Uh, so 
And as most directors and creators, as a preteen, Burton made short films. Of course. In his backyard using crude stop-motion animation techniques or shooting an 8mm film without sound. One of his oldest known juvenile films is The Island of Dr. Agor, which he made when he was 13 years old. It's an intriguing story. Really? It's not Igor? Uh, no, it's Agor. Wow. Burton attended Providence Elementary School in Burbank and afterward to Burbank High School, but was not a particularly good student. Hey, I wasn't either. He played on the water polo team at Burbank High. Burton was an introspective person and found pleasure in painting, drawing, and watching film. His future work would be heavily influenced by the works of such childhood heroes as Dr. Seuss and Roald Dahl. After graduating from Burbank High School, Burton attended the California Institute of the Arts in Valencia, Santa Clara to study character animation. And thus was born Tim and Burton. He went on to work for Disney. Yes, he was a Disney uh, animator. He worked on the Fox and Hound, I believe. He did? He did. He worked on uh, Fox and the Hound. Um, did uh, He does have a touch of insanity considering he... Worked in the parks and stuff like that. Uh, he was on a full team, right? He was he wasn't like the lead animator for yeah. Fox and Hound. It was like a team. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah. kind of where he There's got his start. A lot. Of yeah. Them. So, uh, I mean, some of the movies he's made, man, that probably when you hear, you probably don't initially think, "Oh, that's Tim Burton." Uh, Black Cauldron, the mm -hmm. original Tron. He worked on all those. Mars like, Attacks uh, is him. The movie Mars uh, yeah, Attacks, that that's Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, a lot of people talk trash about that because it's so cheesy and over yeah. the top. I love the movie. I've only seen Mars Attacks one time, and it's been a really, really long time. I have so I half have hoped that when aliens do show up, inevitably, they do go, ah, 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 Now, have you seen Vincent? Uh, no. You know about Vincent. I okay, talked so about this. Vincent uh, was a short little movie that he made uh, in 1982 while he was at Disney. Mm -hmm. It's stop motion, of course. And it's the whole thing is like a poem. Like, it reminds you of Dr. Seuss okay. a little bit. Um, and it's inspired by, like, Edgar Allan Poe and Vincent Price. Oh, Vincent Price. Exactly. Because... Tim Burton was a huge fan of him, and that's why he went on to play the inventor and Edward Scissorhands and stuff like that. So Vincent is a kid nice. who thinks he's like Vincent Price, and he loves to tell scary stories and stuff like that. And he reads Edgar Allan Poe stories, and he, mm. he tries to pretend like he's in those situations. Yeah. So Vincent, you can watch it on YouTube. It's like six, seven, eight minutes. Uh, it's technically the second Disney horror film because huh. it was made under the Disney banner, technically. Um, and yeah, it's Tim Burton. So go watch it. Highly recommend it to everybody. Vincent. Narrated by Vincent Price. Uh, speaking of, and kind of correlating with Sherlock's show I'm doing, one of my, my all-time favorite Disney movies that goes unnoticed and undiscussed and shocks people when I mention it, is The Great Mouse Detective. Yeah. It's about the mouse who lives under 221B Baker Street. Right. And uh, I love it 
for many reasons, but one of the reasons is Rattigan, the bad guy, is voiced by Vincent Price. And he does all those things that Vincent does. Mm. You know, it's very... You will love this little movie, though, that Sweet. I'm telling you about. Yeah, you need to watch it, like, tonight before you go to bed. I'm going to text you to remind you about okay. it. Vincent. Okay. Yes. Deal. And Vincent Price is quoted as saying, like, it's it was one of the uh, greatest, like, gifts or, or honors that anyone had ever given him. Yeah. Was the movie that was basically inspired by and made about him yeah. for him. Um, so, yeah, it's great. Vincent. Sweet. Uh, did you ever hear the tale of one of his unrealized projects that would have had him work with Kevin Smith? Superman? Yes. I do know about that. A Nicolas Cage Superman. There's uh, footage or yeah. pictures or something somewhere of yeah. him in the suit. Long black hair. Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed to take place in the same universe that 89 Batman did. That would have been so interesting. And, you know, it if you think about it, that could have drastically changed the landscape for superhero films, period. Like, yeah. the 1989 Batman movie did. It did. Yeah. You know, think about where where would we be without that. I don't know that that would have continued. Because, really, we talk about how the superhero craze really started, like with Spider-Man, yeah. 1999, 2000, yeah. whenever that was. X-Men and all that. It had been going for kids like us before yeah. that, because we grew up with those Batman movies, yeah. right? Absolutely. Um, so Tim Burton really, is, in my opinion, very responsible for that. Very responsible. So he's definitely responsible for my love of Batman. He's he's a good one that Tim. Because that came out like eighty nine, a couple 90. of months after I was born. Mm -hmm. So that was like the summer blockbuster the year I was born. Bro, I remember when Batman Returns was coming out. Yeah. I have this. You know how those memories when you're really really small, you just kind of remember images of yeah. it. I remember standing in the McDonald's in the lobby as a three, four-year-old kid. And, you know, they used to have the little display case of the there toys they had. The toys that were in the Happy Meal. Absolutely. And I remember seeing the picture of, like, Penguin yeah. and Catwoman. Well, there was a Batmobile that if you pushed a button, it shot the center part out. Mm -hmm. You remember that one? Yep. I remember uh, all that stuff. Uh, yet again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, talking about his movies, uh, that's basically kind of what we wanted to do, is yeah. just have conversation about the films that he made. Now, obviously not everyone, because you know, we, we learned in discussing this this topic the other day, we haven't seen every one of Tim everything. Burton's films. So Now, I'm looking at the list of the movies he's directed. Directed, is yeah, we're just talking at? about directed. And we're yes. just going to kind of go through the list, and if it's one that we really enjoy and want to talk about, we will. If not, we'll just say eh, whatever and move on. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one is a pretty big one. It is. Because it's also a big adventure. It is. It's it Pee-wee's big adventure. It is. Uh, Francis, give me back my bike! Someone took my bike! Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie. He said it! I haven't seen that movie in years. Um, I've used the theme to it. A few times yeah. for like pre-show music for mm -hmm. different things I've directed, especially the Books of Life stuff yeah. that I did. Uh, it's very intriguing. It's obviously Elfman, and it and it has that that very Tim Burton slash Danny Elfman thing where there's machines and gadgets yeah. and all these weird you know little robots and whatnot, and the music is. I feel like they were the precursor to the steampunk movement. 
Like, <laughs> steampunk is like, oh yeah, it's a fashion, it's a fad, it's all that. No, steampunk is kind of like what Burton was doing before it even became steampunk. I can see it. I so, it's it. like, I feel like steampunk was Burtonisms, <laughs> you mm. know? Uh, and we just made a fashion out of it. And people yeah. started steampunking Broadway stuff. You can always tell, most of the time, Danny Elfman music. Yeah. He's always got a really heavy accented uh, downbeat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, like, beats one and three. One, two, Like, it's a driving, like a train yeah, or something. exactly. Machines and stuff. Uh, the exception to that, again, getting ahead, sorry, is the Batman theme. That's the only one where it's like there's more. Uh, it's, it's ethereal. It's more high. Of a, it's, it's, yeah. a melody to yeah. it. It's not such a driving, like, pop, 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 constant yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure uh, when I was a kid and. When I first saw it on VHS, I did not realize, I was probably in third, fourth grade, how early it was made. 85. Like, to me, it seemed like a 90s movie. Mm-hmm. To me. But it was made in 85. Mm-hmm. I'm like, good lord, that's like... I'm pretty sure that Paul Rubens, Pee-wee, saw Vincent. Yeah. And was so impressed with it. That he was the one who personally went and and wanted Tim Burton to be the director. Wow. I think, I might be making that up, but I feel like I've read that somewhere. Well, uh, uh, since then, (laughs) Paul Rubens has been in a little bit of trouble. (laughs) This was years ago. (laughs) A long time ago. It was a long time ago, but I think uh, Gotham was his first thing back since all that trouble, where he finally Um, came into the... I don't know, because he did... um, what was the one with uh, William H. Macy uh, and the Blue Rajah? Oh, Mystery, Mystery Men. Men. Hey, it was, that was before his... Uh, his movie theater his adventure. Theater, yeah. His big adventure in um, the movie theater. Uh, you're going to have to cut this out. Um, I actually had to tell that story to a student recently because oh they had God. a monologue where it said something about... It said something about X-rated movie theater. She was like, that's not even a thing. That's, not here. I was like, no, sweet. It's a thing. It's a thing, because you know Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> so I kind of relayed that story. Anyway, sorry. <clears throat> uh, but, you know, I think uh, Mystery Men was before. You and, could uh, be right. You could be and right. then I think the first, the first thing he really, like, I guess, felt comfortable coming out doing after all that. He disappeared for a oh, while no. after all that. He hosted Monday Night Raw, bro. Oh my God, he did. He did the the dance with Big Show. Yeah, Big Show was da, like da, his da, 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 cousin da, da. or brother. Or Yeesh. The, that's He's pro- my cousin. That's probably the most iconic thing from that movie, though. The tequila oh, yeah. dancing mm-hmm. with the motorcycle. Because now, used guys. to, all I could think about was uh, Sandlot. When I heard tequila, when they're puking and all that. Yeah. Uh, and now, anytime I hear it, it's between Sandlot and, or I start doing the peewee dance. So, Tequila. Tequila. Uh, moving on, 1988, the year before we were born, the year Logan was born, Beetlejuice. But don't say it, okay. don't say it two more times. Not consecutively. How much time would you say you think is an unwritten rule between the saying of said name before? I don't know, because the movie kind of 
doesn't answer that question. No, it and there were times where I was like, uh, Winona Ryder said it, and it was going to be her third time. Yeah. A little while later, I just was like, say oh, it. just say it. Come on, you got to help me out here. I would venture to say, maybe with the exception of Batman, Beetlejuice is probably his most prominent, iconic, iconic movie. Yeah. Wouldn't you think? Absolutely. Nightmares close. The, but he didn't even actually direct Nightmare Before Christmas. No, no, he was more he was the art. The, he was the producer. He was and the he producer. Did, he wrote the story it. and all yeah. that. He basically wrote it and, and designed the characters, yeah. but he didn't direct the movie. No, but I still think we should count it. Oh yeah, it's a Burton uh, project. For sure, it's a Burton. I think story. it even says Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, am I making that up? No, no. You're um, not. so yeah. So Beetlejuice. Um, first off, this was. Keaton's uh, big launching mm-hmm. movie. And did you know that he wasn't even really on set but like two weeks? They did really? all of his stuff in two weeks with the exception of the thing at the end where his head shrinks. I yeah. think they did that a little later on. But uh, they had already started filming the movie before they even knew who was going to play Beetlejuice. The scene when we're, when they're running from Snake Beetlejuice yeah. upstairs... They filmed that whole thing without even knowing what he was going to look like. What the head was going to be. In, and then they had to in change post. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and even though the movie's called Beetlejuice, he's only in the movie like 17 minutes. Yeah. I'm very, sure. very little screen time, which yeah. you really don't think about, but it's true. Tim Burton had a completely different concept for Beetlejuice, the, the character, early on. Did you know that Sammy uh, Davis Jr.? Was approached. Hey, babe. Exactly. It's Beetlejuice, babe. Exactly. <laughs> would have would have been weird. Would have been weird. But you know, you hate sandworms, babe. Hate myself. There's so much that I could talk about about Beetlejuice. Oh, I mean, I'm telling you, the lines, the the, not to mention you're talking to a dead guy. Uh, just the voice that he used for it. We're coming for your daughter, Chip. <laughs> We're coming for your daughter, Chip. We're. <laughs> 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 That line, and also, uh, uh, hey, hey, sandworms. You hate them, right? <laughs> hate them myself. <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty I good. love Beetlejuice, and you I know love Michael Keaton. that Beetlejuice is one of the very few movies to have a PG-13 rating, but have an F-bomb in it. Really? It's true, because, uh, and actually, he says GD as well, but I don't know if GD it's is... It's not scene is yeah like here in the south that's one of the most like offensive terrible things that one can say is gd you know but up north man it's like a normal thing of anywhere else so i guess they didn't count that but yeah it's when he's he's still in the in the little model yeah and he kicks he's like oh nice fucking model or whatever (laughs) it was like that's the one (laughs) f-bomb and this was kind of before the ratings really got got strict so they got by with it. I I watched this. This was one of the ones that I watched over again when while we've been, you know, we we knew that in October we were going to talk about Tim Burton. Yeah. Months ago. Yeah. Uh, so I started doing different Burton movies like every other week or so when I had mm-hmm. time I'd pop in a Burton movie, and I I can honestly say that Beetlejuice is probably the only one that I watched the whole way through, and just. Every time I watch it, I catch something new. Uh, their caseworker, the old woman, uh, uh, 
What? Don't say his name. Don't, Don't say, say his, his name. name. She says something that I didn't realize was so funny until just the other day when I, or two months ago when I started watching it. She has a slit throat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, there's this part where, uh, you know, she has the slit throat. Um, there's this part where she says, "My throat hurts," <laughs> <laughs> and I never got the joke until this last time, and I just start dying laughing. Uh, the character's name is Juno, and she's played by Sylvia Sidney. Don't say his name. Who was 78 years old at the time of this Good movie? Lord, and she lived to be 88. She lived for 10 more years. Wow. After. Oh, yeah. One of the best characters. I was just like, oh, my God, she has a slit throat. So, speaking of early (laughs) memories, you know, you said growing up with Tim Burton, right? Okay, another early, early memory for me is the Beetlejuice cartoon. Uh, I remember it. Okay. So, on, I have the Blu-ray of Beetlejuice, and I watched it, you know, a while back. One of the special features is there's, like, three episodes of the cartoon. I remember that cartoon. And I was like, that's one of my... Er- that and the Adams Family cartoon. Oh, I remember yeah. seeing them, like... Because I liked all the... The original stuff. cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I went... I, I watched a full episode. Yeah. You know, it's 1991 cartoons, so it's... And it's not Keaton, but the guy's trying his best. Yeah. To, oh, hey, Didia. Hey, Lydia. not something hey, babes. that... that uh, that I would I wouldn't show to watch Emma it. right now. Or ever. Or ever. It's not great. It's not. It's not great. It, it, it it's doesn't uh, not good, Cotton. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Beyond the cartoon, mm-hmm. there's also a musical of Beetlejuice now. Uh, which I haven't do seen. that show so I do bad. too. And I know that both of us would want to play Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. I think both of us want to play most anything Alex Brightman's played. Yes. <laughs> School of Rock. Yeah. Beetlejuice, Book of Mormon. Yes. So. I think you would pull it off better than I would. But I don't want either of us to play Beetlejuice. I want us to do this show. I would do it. And I want to play the dad. <laughs> and I want you to play uh, Otho. Otho. Because the only reason I say that, I, even before, <laughs> like, I would have said, no, I have no interest in being in Beetlejuice and Musical until I realized how much fun it would be. To do the thing when they get possessed and they do the dance. Oh, yeah. Come, Mr. Tally Man, Tally Man. That's one of the most iconic parts of that movie. Uh, we would have a blast oh, with that. Blast. And I know it's in the musical. It is. So, like, just because of that scene, it'd I would be, want to do it. It'd be a blast. So much fun. You, oh, me think about how much fun they probably had on set. Oh, my that. God, man. So good. Uh, what's her face? Moira. Uh, <laughs> Moira Rose. Uh, no, but what's her her real name? I'm terrible. Uh, Ka- yeah, yeah, Catherine O'Hara. Uh, Alexis. Uh, you are not... Oh, congratulations on the bebe. <laughs> You're not trained to carry them. Turtles do not good pets make, Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should go. She steals the daggum show, man. She does. Oh, she kills you. the show. Uh, so yeah, Beetlejuice, amazing. Mm. Probably, I would say my top twenty films of all time. I think so. I think so. One day we're gonna we're have gonna to have actually to do sit that. down and make actually these sit lists. down and make it. Yeah. But I know for sure it's not top ten, but it's definitely top twenty. Okay, we could probably do a top twenty-five. We... Actually, no. We should stick the theme and say thirty and nerdy's top thirty. <sighs> That's it. 
Like thirty each, though. Yeah, thirty each. Wow. We got big plans. Big, big plans in the future. Up here at 30 big things popping, little things stopping. Moving on. Nineteen eighty-nine, the year that your boys were born. Batman directed Batman, the first one. Nineteen eighty-nine's Batman with mm. Michael Keaton returning to work with him, which I remember this was a big stink. Obviously, we were just born, so I don't remember it from happening. But I remember like one of the biggest stories coming out of this at this time was you're hiring this comedic actor, Michael Keaton, to play the caped crusader, the detective, Little Batman. Little did they know. Little did they know that two words coming out of his mouth would change the genre and change quoting movies forever. But also, little did they know that Michael Keaton can do anything. Yeah, he can. I mean, you, t- you, t- you, s- you give him Beetlejuice, and he-, and he kills it. You give him Batman, he kills it. You give him Vulture and Spider-Man, he's phenomenal. You give him the, cr- the guy who started McDonald's, he's hella good in that I movie. just watched that like a month ago. It was hey, great. I watched it because you said you need to watch that movie. Oh, yeah? Good. Um, yeah. He can do anything. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Such a good actor. Did you see, uh, what was it he did, Birdman or whatever? I did see Birdman. It's in one shot. Yeah. It's all done in one. Uh, his his a very, very uh, uh, phenomenal comedy that he does. Uh, it's shortly after Batman. Might be a little bit before. He, it's called Multiplicity. He clones that, yeah. himself. Yeah. And each clone is a different variant of himself and he talks different he has one that that's kind of dumb <laughs> and uh yeah 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 i like ketchup on my waffle steve <laughs> <laughs> and uh when he first shows up he's like rule number two is the same as rule number one nobody touches my wife and he goes what's rule number one uh what's rule number one steve <laughs> she touched my pepe steve <laughs> <laughs> We need to watch that one together. Yeah, it is so funny. Uh, So, Batman, we got the first one. It's Michael Keaton. It's Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's it. That, you know, moving forward with a lot of Batman movies, it was two or three villains in one movie. This was one guy. But we also got uh, Michael Gow as, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Yeah. uh, As Alfred. As Alfred. Played Alfred. Three or four times, and four he, times he was in a lot of Tim Burton stuff with four different. Batman. Even just he was kind of like different. the Stan Lee, like he'd have a little cameo yeah. here, there, one little voice of one little. Even character. if it's a voice acting, he, like he did. Uh, he did a voice in Alice in Wonderland. It was one of the last things he, he did. Was almost a hundred, I think, mm-hmm. but he he did it. Uh, he was Dodo Bird, I think. Uh, and I know he was in Corpse Bride. Yes. So, what is it about Batman? Aside from just like, I mean, number one, nobody thought this cast. Nobody thought Keaton, this comedic actor, was going to play Batman. People, when he's like, Jack Nicholson's going to be the Joker. They're like, oh, we just saw Cesar Romero. Can can Jack Nicholson do Cesar Romero? Well, no, 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 no. We don't want Jack to do Cesar. We want Jack to do his own Joker. Mm-hmm. I remember that was a big stink. Like, you're going to do the Joker as like a gangster? Wait, what? what? Well, yeah, because all people really known was the Adam West yeah. campy Batman. Yeah. This was the first noir, that yeah. dark fantasy style that Tim Burton does. Yeah. And that really changed the the, the, the landscape for Batman yeah. from there on up because he 
that he really is made him detective. the Dark Knight. Yeah, that's what added that that dark feel to Batman that we all love. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be the same without that. Yeah, and I love this one of the stories that Keaton loves to tell when he talks about being. You know, first off, he's anytime he talks, he's like, "I'm Batman," because that's his line. But he talks about the cow. You know, those first two movies, the, the way they made the move. cow, he couldn't just turn his head sideways. He had to turn his whole upper torso yep. when he was looking from side to side because of how the art department made the cow. They didn't have that kind of technology to make it movable like Bell has or like, you know, I mean, I can't even tell what really what Reeves is doing, but like what Batfleck and Bell and really any of the more modern ones, like even Clooney, as much as we don't like to mention him as Batman, could move his head better than Keaton could. Keaton, it was this entire top torso when he had to turn to the side. (laughs) So, like, that added, I feel that added to the intimidation factor because if someone looks at you quickly, like, it's not as intimidating as this full turn because it's so methodic and so eerie when someone just full turns. Like, you didn't even get enough of a rise out of me for me to look at you quickly. I'm going to take my time. It's this sinister turn. (laughs) Like you're getting the full tilt. Uh, But Batman, again, most of these, we could do entire episodes about. And we probably will at some point. Even if it's just like a a section of an episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, anything else about Batman that, no. that really sticks out to you? Alright, so, Edward Scissorhands. Love it. 1990. Bet you can't guess my favorite character. It's not the mom. No. Definitely not Edward. No. I love Edward, but no. Oh, yeah. Uh, the neighbor. Which one? The girl neighbor. Uh, Which one? Who... Who is that? It's not Cusack, is it? No. It's not Joan Cusack? No, she's not in that movie. Are you crazy? I thought she was in that movie. No. Her name is, the actress's name is Kathy Baker. Kathy and Baker's part. the character is Joyce Monroe. Okay, yeah, yeah. Why, Edward, you haven't tried any of the ambrosia salad I made especially for you. She was on him like hot on rice that whole yeah. movie. Uh, she's the one that says... uh. He cuts her hair and she says, that was the single most thrilling experience of my whole life. She's hilarious. She Every time she was on camera, she had me laughing. Uh, she is, uh, she's funny, but I swear Joan Cusack's in it. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of the Addams Family live action movie. Yes, she is in that. She's sure. who wants to marry Fester. Yep. That's one thing. I'm I'm mixing my dark universes up. <laughs> and uh, also, how good is Winona Ryder? Winona is good in anything she does. I think she's underrated, man. She's extremely underrated. Um, one thing that I, I will say is as much true crap I talk about Heather's the Musical, the movie is a little bit of a shining light in the fact that Winona's in the movie. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Is that I'm like, well, Winona does great at her part, and I love Winona Ryder. I do too. Uh, at her youngest, and now in Stranger Things. 
She was she's phenomenal. She was robbed for uh, an Emmy for Stranger Things. I don't think mm-hmm. she was nominated or anything, but she, she should have been. Man, she as a, a mom who's trying to Losing find it. her lost son, and all these crazy things are happening, and no one will listen to you or believe you. Are you You're, kidding me? She delivered the whole like I'm alone. No one will listen. No one will believe me. My own son thinks I'm crazy. The other one's gone. Like, when she's, like, talking to the lights and, like, that desperation. Winona killed it. She sure did, man. And she's been killing it ever since the 90s and late 80s. Killing it. Moving forward, one that we're actually going to talk about later down the road. Because we may answer the question, is it a Christmas movie? We, we will answer that question. Batman Returns, the return of Keaton, and the return of Tim Burton to the directorship. This saw Danny DeVito as the Penguin, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, Shrek was played by uh, Christopher Walken, was yeah. Max Shrek, and uh, I always thought it was interesting that, um, unless you watched a lot of the animated series or read a lot of comics, a lot of people go back and watch that movie and don't realize that he's a comic book character, Max Shrek is. He's from the... Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't just created. Um, we see the return of uh, the Alfred from the first one. Michael Gow. Michael Gow. And this one's cool. This one gets a little grittier, I think, maybe because it's at Christmas. And maybe because it's the Penguin. Very sewer-driven. And the Danny DeVito, when he, does he bleed black or has he got black spit? It's yeah, like it's really know. nasty and disgusting and... I think uh, now we will pose the question to you, and we will answer your all's questions when we get to December. Let us know what you think. 30nerdypod at gmail.com. Is Batman Returns a Christmas movie? We'll give you our takes in December. Let us know yours, and we'll read them on the episode. So, what about Batman Returns first? Spark, like, what stood out to you the most? It's... Like I kind of briefly mentioned earlier, Batman Returns is one of my earliest memories. I think, actually... Uh, I think my dad tried to take me to see it in the mm-hmm. theater, and I was just too little, man. I got scared. I remember Penguin popped up, and I just freaked out. I was so scared. So that was like my first movie experience, which is strange that yeah. now I love movies so much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that to me, it's that. It's the, those early memories of being a, a little 90s kid, little 90s baby, uh, watching Batman. Um, I had this movie... It was one of those VHSs that I had that just replayed all the time. Yeah. Loved it. It even had the yellow emblem on the VHS, on the actual tape. Yep. The yellow Batman. Yeah. Uh, I remember after this, uh, Keaton did a couple of commercials as Batman. It was like OnStar or something like that. We're in the commercial, the Batmobile's driving, and like he's just looking at the computer and yeah. stuff like that. There were commercials. Uh, it was either him or Val Kilmer that did a McDonald's one. Like Val Kilmer he, did the McDonald's one okay. for the third movie. That's right, because they had the 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 glasses, mm-hmm. the collectible glasses. I've got the Riddler one somewhere. I, I had the purple Two-Face ones and the Batman ones. Yeah. I may still have those. That'd be interesting to find. But yeah, uh, Batman Returns. We're going to talk a little more in de- detail about it in December. It being a Christmas time movie. And we'll answer the question. Now, this is one that you asked me about coming up that we, I've not seen. I haven't either. Ed Wood. Uh, it's a comedy drama, I believe. It's uh, directed by Tim Burton, stars Johnny Depp. Um, 
he uh, based on a real life person. Yes, yes. Uh, it's a he was a, a science fiction horror movie director. Yeah, yeah. In the 1950s, we may check that out down the road and kind of touch back. Probably base. should. Yeah. 96. We were seven when this movie was out, depending on the month that it came out. Star-studded, man. This movie was like Jack Nicholson was the president of the United States. Jack Black was in it and extremely young. Um, no way. Re- oh, yeah. 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 Uh, this movie was so star-studded, it almost became a joke how star-studded it is. Tom Jones? Tom Jones was like, in it. She's a lady. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Close. Um, Danny DeVito. Martin yeah. Short. It literally was like the running joke was, how many stars can we get in this cheesy sci-fi alien movie? Yeah, I've seen this one, but only like one time years ago. Yeah. So I can't really speak on this one too much. But yeah, this looks like one I'm going to have to revisit. Just Me and Christopher used to watch it all the time. Um it was one of my first memories of hearing a ton of cussing in a movie. Like, the first cuss word I ever heard in a movie, in my memory, is um, uh, Mom was watching uh, Outbreak. Dustin Hoffman, mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman, about the monkey, about the sickness. Mm-hmm. Pretty much kind of how cl- we came pretty close to heat of pandemic. Um and I heard Dustin Hoffman say the word prick. Nowadays, it's a minor word. No like, we don't really think of But in the 90s, man, when I heard that, she immediately was like, you never call anyone this, okay? And now, I think there's an entire generation who don't know the word exists. Because it just doesn't... It's not common, really. It's not anymore. Yeah. You just, you don't hear it in things. You don't hear people say it. And you have, don't If I even, do hear it, I mostly hear it from people that are like... The right. generation yeah. uh, before us. And, like, it's not even talked about as in, you shouldn't say this. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of went by the wayside. I don't even think I use it that much, if I at all. I don't either. Yeah. But that How did the, we get into a discussion about this? I, I said that Mars Attacks was the first oh, movie okay. memory I have of, like, a lot of cussing. Oh, yeah. And some risque costumes and things like that. Um. But I I, I, I want to go back and visit this one with you. I want to watch it with you. All right. I love Mars Attacks. Moving forward, uh, one of my favorite Johnny Depp accents is Ichabod Crane in Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. The Widow Winship. Um, it's very how I kind of see Sherlock pl- being pl- delivering. These are the facts. And I loosely base my Sherlock off of this accent that he has. You know, uh, Christopher Lee is in this. He is. As, as he is in a, a lot of things that Tim Burton that did. That Tim Burton did. Also, uh, Uncle Vernon. There is an entire scene where Uncle Vernon. Bilbo, the emperor. Bilbo, Palpatine, and the father from Beetlejuice are in one scene speaking with the... Oh, and Ollivander. Ollivander. They're all speaking with each other. Uh, and Michael Gow was in this one as well. They have the wigs. Michael Gow was in that as well. They all have those terrible wigs that show that they are class. Ray Park is one of the guys playing uh, the the horseman, Edless Horseman in this. Wow. Ray Park, Darth Maul. Yes, Toad. And Toad. The jerk boyfriend of Christina Ricci 
was also in Storm Sh- Starship Troopers. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, didn't do much after this, after Sleepy Hollow and Starship Troopers. Didn't really have a blow-up of an acting, acting career, quite like Ricci and Depp well, did. not everybody gets to win. The biggest crazy thing about this movie is when <laughs> the horseman gets his head back, it's Christopher Walken. <laughs> if you would have said, who do you think the horseman's head is going to be? I'd have lost all my money if you'd have said, I bet it's Christopher Walken. I'd have said, you're freaking nuts. Today, I am a headless horseman. <laughs> Found my head. It's crazy. And this watch. <laughs> what about Sleepy Hollow do you remember the most or stood out to you? Actually, the thing you just talked about, about all the, no, oh, all, all the, the legends in the carriage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what always sticks out to me about this one. Because I remember watching that part, and I was like, oh my, like watching it now. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's the Emperor, and it's Dud- and it's Vernon Dursley, and I'm like, oh my god. Little did we know that this circle of old men talking and gossiping are legends in our nerd culture. I thought that Ian Holm was in it, but he's not. Is no, he? he's in uh, From Hell. Uh, ah, yeah. Johnny Depp movie, not Tim Burton. That, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's about Jack the Ripper. Yep, yep, yep. So, moving forward, Planet of the Apes, that's 2001. That's the, uh, the Matt Damon one, right? No, Marky Mark. Ah, uh, that's it, that's it. You're Mark right, Wahlberg. Right. Mark Wahlberg. Marky yeah, Mark. that's where he, at the end, he lands at the Lincoln Memorial, but it's the Monkey Lincoln Memorial, yeah, right? the Caesar remor- Memorial. That's really, I've only it's, seen that uh, like one time, so I don't have much I can tell you about it, but I think I liked it when I saw it. Helena Bottom Carter's in that. Yeah, she's a monkey. So I guess they were. This a thing started at that their point. dating. They were a thing. They were dating uh, yeah. at this point. Yes. Man, I gotta tell you, I know she's an older lady. Helena Bonham Carter can still get it. Oh yeah, she's in season three and four of The Crown. Of course she is. She's phenomenal. If I told you my story about when I met uh, Magenta from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh my God, no. Really? I told you this. No. Uh, Quinn is her last yeah. name. Patricia Quinn. Patricia Quinn. Met her. Um, was it a con? Yeah. And I just wanted to say hello. And she didn't really have much of a line at that point for some reason. And she just talked to me just endlessly. It's like she it's like she just like she enjoyed the company or something. It was really sweet. Well, I think she immediately knew there's a fan right here. I guess, but I wasn't like gushing over her. Like oh. I wasn't falling all over myself. Like I wasn't starstruck. I was just like, really enjoy it. Wanted to say hello, whatever. Uh, she went on to say, Helena Bonham Carter's playing me as a suffragette. And I have no idea what that means because I don't know that Helena Bonham Carter played a suffragette. And I don't know that she played anything to do with, with Patricia Quinn. I don't know. It didn't make any sense. Maybe to me. she, maybe Helena was doing Rocky Horror somewhere. Maybe and I don't know. they ca- and they made Magenta a suffragette instead of. It was kind of like one maid. of those times you're like, okay, Grandpa, yeah, we know <laughs> there's you know. Okay, yeah. You, yeah. Uh, Gas you, was you, once a, a quarter. We know. We Go know. To bed. You, you, you're the reason why the Wright brothers invented planes. <laughs> we know. You're, you were there. Okay. We wouldn't have potato chips if you didn't cut the potato too thin. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Grandpa Lay. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Yeah. Okay, but, uh, Patricia. I don't know why you're out in public. We need to get you back to the home. Uh, next on the list is Big Fish, and I am quite fond of that movie. 
Good musical too. And it's a musical. Yeah. Like almost anything at this point. Yeah. When when you get to the point where Bring It On is a musical, you know you're, you're out of ideas. Spider Man was a musical. Yep. I failed musical. Superman was also a musical, buddy. It was. So, and you know what? I bet if we did some digging, there's probably a Batman musical out there, too. It's probably a script out there. There's probably a lot of things out there. <laughs> just because you can doesn't mean you should. So we just want to take the time to thank all of our backers. Next year, 30 and Nerdy, the musical, will be hitting Broadway. Uh, right beside Phantom of the Opera. And then it hits back. Then it hits back. <laughs> <laughs> this shortest running show on Broadway, 30 and Nerdy, the podcast. The musical. <laughs> no, you kidding? Tony La- Award. Lasted for two hours. <laughs> and 33 minutes. And 33 minutes. Uh, I liked Big Fish, you know, tear-jerking moments. That's uh, uh, good stuff, great story. Our boy Ewan McGregor. Ewan's in it. Helen Bonham Carter. Yeah. Uh, Miles Cyrus is in this also, by the way. As a child. As Destiny Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Destiny this is before Cyrus. Miley was the Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, check it out because it's great. It's kind of like if Tim Burton did The Notebook, yeah. it would be this movie. Yeah. Do you think that's much. a fair assessment? Very fair assessment. Yeah. Apt. Apt assessment Thank juice. You. Thank you. Carry on. Oh. Oh, uh, no. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. All right, let me tell you. I am one of the biggest... Willie Wonka and the Chocolate Factory fans in the business today. Okay. In the business? <laughs> <laughs> the independent podcast business? Yes. Oh, gotcha. I'm one of the biggest fans in the biz today of Willie Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The, You've done the show twice, The Gene right? Wilder one. I have at least. You directed it once because I was Mr. Salt. Yes, and then I did it in high school as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, at least twice. Uh, almost the third time with Encore. A different version. Oh, yeah. So I was very excited for the movie to come out, and knowing it, that it's Tim Burton, I thought, oh, it's going to be great. Um, and But I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think that Tim Burton is what ruined the movie for me. Well, to a degree it is. Johnny Depp is what ruined it for me. And I love Johnny Depp, but the Willy Wonka, he gave off really strong Michael Jackson vibes. And it was just not... And look, like I'm not even saying anything about the allegations about Michael Jackson and because there were children there. I'm just talking about like the voice and the personality and stuff. No, I didn't I dig it. it. I, I didn't it. I didn't dig it at all. Yeah. I mean I didn't either. Um when So I'm glad we're getting a, a new when a he new did the, of it. Oh the prequel. Yeah. With Shalomane in it looks he looks like a young Wilder. I hope it's that insane. It, hope they do it right. Um when he came out didn't do the flip thing, which was totally improv by Wilder, uh, by the way. Yeah. Um, and he started talking like this. Chewing gum is really gross. Chewing gum I hate the most. Welcome, children. And good day. I was like, uh, I don't know about this. Like, no. he's, he killed his parents. <laughs> Pretty sure. Who his dad, Lee, Christopher the Lee. Dentist. Christopher Lee, the dentist. Um, there's bodies in his basement. These children truly did die. 
it, no, man. There's no bodies. The Oompa Loompas burned them up. The yeah. Oompa Loompas took care of that. They get part. rid of the evidence. That's why he has the Oompa Loompas. They got those. Uh, they they got those life debts like Chewbacca Augustus and Han Solo. Gloop. Augustus Gloop. So I just didn't like it, man. I, mm. I remember seeing it in theaters at the Paradigm, which doesn't even exist in Morristown anymore. <gasps> we called it the next to Big Lots. Yeah, we called it the five dollar theater because no matter what was out, it's five dollars for a ticket. You could ride your bike down there. I could. I could, and I did often. <laughs> I remember seeing the Val Kilmer Batman there, the Clooney Batman there. Wow. I saw, uh, actually, the very last movie I saw there was The Village. Wow. Yeah. Then they tore it down about a year or so later. Yeah, man. It's. I mean, they didn't tear it down. It's gutted, but it's still a movie theater shape. Uh, someone should buy it. I've suggested it to a couple of people before. Someone to should be buy it. So. Uh, it'd be phenomenal. Uh, you know, and I just didn't like it. Uh, I can't really tell you much. But in that same year, he did release a pretty good one, uh, Corpse Bride. Yeah. Which I like to think of as the unofficial, somewhat prequel to Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> kind of. How so? I don't know. You know, the characters are very similar. Um, I feel like that character could have died and become Jack. That dog could have died and become Zero. Uh, zero, yeah, that's true. The it's girl true. could have become Sally. Uh, and maybe it's not exactly like a, a unwritten okay. prequel. It's more of like a very close he, uh, emulation. He reused, reused some a lot. character yeah. uh, types. Characterizations, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, yeah, Corpse Bride's pretty okay. Uh, I, I don't have like this you know, great fondness for it, but I don't dislike it. You yeah. Know, it's just... It's cool. I like the little piano solo that they play together. Yes. It's a cool moment. Honey, I'm home. And Hell in the Bottom Carter, of course, anything she yeah. know, graces is usually pretty good. Uh, Sweeney Todd. I got to tell you, as a street. theater guy, theater kid, Sweeney yeah. Todd, the Tim Burton movie, is actually my first uh encounter with the Sweeney Todd story. Really? I really didn't know it before that. Uh, you got to remember, you grew up here in Morristown where there was Shane theater and Mike Shane did it and all that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have any exposure to it at all. Uh, oddly enough, when I was working at the mall in Knoxville, sometimes we would get free passes to like preview movies that weren't out yet and we could see them for free and then they would ask us our opinion. Like, here's what people are saying about the movie. I got to be one of those guys sometimes. Oh, cool. And this was one of them that I got to see. This is like, where Johnny Mr. Depp? Fuji worked. Yes, it was where Mr. Fuji worked. Wrestling fans, Rest the Mr. Peace. Fuji. Yes. Um, worked, took tickets at the East Town Mall. And you could sneak theater. Uh, drinks in, and he never said a word. Yeah. He never uh, got me with the green mist. Rest <laughs> in peace, Mr. Fuji. He was a really, really nice guy. Uh, yeah, uh, that was my first encounter because I was like, Johnny Depp, Helena Bottom Carter, Tim Burton, okay. I'm in. And did not know what to expect, and absolutely fell head and head over heels in love with this story. Um, because back at that at that time, I was known to be, I wouldn't say I was an emo kid or I was a gothic kid, but definitely I wore a lot of black. We'll say that. You so, were you were a, a macabre. I was like a punk, punk rock slash emo kid you might say mm. i had the piercings mm. i wore a lot of black and mm, that piercing and that blue hair i did i had blue hair um look sexy thank you i thought so at the time <laughs> uh but yeah 
it's one of my all-time favorite musicals to this day. Um, you I, got to I play got, him. I got to play. I was lucky enough to play my dream role. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I will say, though, it kind of ruined the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Because they really had to change a lot of the music for Johnny Depp. Love him. And Helena. He's amazing. Love him. Love him to pieces. But he really, the vocally, was not right for the for the part. No. One thing I love about that movie, and this is probably present in a lot of Tim Burton stuff. Visually, that whole movie is dark. And I don't mean content dark. I mean like... The coloring. I mean like, yeah. Literally, it's dark. dark. The only moments that are like illuminated are fantasy or like... Like flashbacks. Yeah, like when he's remembering when he had his wife and his kid. There was a father and his wife. And they're happy... And and everything's bright and sunny and colorful. And then when Mrs. Lovett's having her big fantasy of them being on the beach the together sea. and yeah. stuff like that. The rest of it is dark. Dark. Like the coloring for Joker. Beautiful coloring. Yes. Just the coloring of the scenes make add to the movie. Uh, I also love the fact that that reunited Bellatrix, Wormtail, and Snape. This is true. In the movie. Yeah, forgot about that. It reunited them together. Oh, man. Alan Rickman is the judge. Chef's kiss. Rest in peace. I remember I was interim band teacher at Metaview when he died. Oh, yeah. Yes, that odd time. Forgot about that. <laughs> where I was a band teacher. <laughs> Forgot about that. Didn't take a bit of band my entire life. Oh, you, can, you know music. I wouldn't say I... No music, <laughs> as in like I could read this stuff. It's okay, you made it work. Sweeney Todd, man, I always wanted to be in it, even if it was third lamppost on the left. I uh, was always jealous that you got to do it. Um, not just the fact of being Sweeney Todd, but, you know, Sweeney Todd was the first time where I was, or maybe Javert and Les Mis, was, I was like, God, a baritone getting to shine. Mm-hmm. You don't see that enough on Broadway. It's all about tenors and their high notes. But no, man, Sweeney Todd was like, the boys can stay in bed. Yeah. The men get the lead in this. Exactly. Between Turpin and the Beatle and Sweeney, baritone leads. And it proved that it can work. It can work. So, um, yeah. Thank moving you. forward, uh, we got another one that we're not really massive. I mean, I probably like it better than Charlie. Yeah. I do. I do indeed. Like Mainly it than probably Charlie. because of the voice acting talent that's in this. Uh, you're talking about Alice in Wonderland, yeah? Yes. Yeah, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I was hoping it was going to be uh, like an actual retelling of Alice in Wonderland, mm. which you probably prefer that it wasn't. You probably prefer that it was its own story. Yeah. Because you, you're not a remake guy. No. Nope. Uh, but since it was live action, I thought, oh, this would be cool. Uh, and it was cool. I mean, yeah. Jabberwocky uh, and all that stuff. Voiced by Christopher Lee. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> the Jabberwocky was Christopher Lee. Um, let's just let's just go through some of this uh, voice cast, okay? And not just the voice cast. So, Mia was a Kaus- Kauska was actually Alice. Uh, she was kind of an unknown here in America at the time. Johnny Depp is the Mad Hatter. Red Queen, Helena Bottom Carter. White Queen, Anne Hathaway, mm-hmm. Crispin Glover, McFly himself yep. as the Knave of Hearts, 
Matt Lucas as Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Stephen Fry. Yes, as the, he voiced the Cheshire Cat. Yes, he did. Michael huh? Sheen was the White Rabbit. Alan Rickman is the Blue Caterpillar. Yeah. Barbara Windsor is the Dormouse. Paul Whitehouse is March Hare. The Bayard, the, the, the Hound... That actually turns on the Red Queen. Yeah, the old man voice. Is Wormtail himself, Timothy was it Spell. really? Yeah. Oh. Martin Koskis was Charles Kingsley. Tim Piggott-Smith is Lord Ash. I mean, this cast that... Stacked. Stacked cast. And I think that that is what speaks to Tim Burton movies is they are always stacked casts because those people want to come back time and time again to work with Tim Burton. They will play any part there is. Like, literally, Alan Rickman had, like, Who are you, Alice? That was good. You know? And then his, he's never seen again until he becomes a butterfly near the end. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's one, two days of work, maybe? And he was like, just to work with Tim? Hell yeah. Absolutely. That's what, as you go down this timeline of movies that he's directed, from 85 to 29... It it seems to us like, oh, he has his favorites. Mm-hmm. That's just the line of people that I want to work with Tim again. I don't care what you have me doing. Just please let me work with you again. Whether it's voice acting, whether it's live action. This is these. I mean, people line up to work with someone like Tim Burton. But, I mean, it is true that Johnny Depp is the star of, like, 90% more than of half his stuff. of these. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. just from the director list alone, Yeah, Edward Scissorhands, yes. Ed Wood... Sleepy Hollow. Uh, Sleepy Hollow. Charlie and the Chocolate Charlie, Factory. Charlie, Corpse Bride, Corpse Bride Sweeney, Sweeney Todd, Todd, Alice, Alice in Wonderland, Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. Was he in Frank and Weenie? I don't think so. I haven't seen Frank and Weenie. He hasn't done anything with Tim since Dark Shadows. Wow. Yeah. Must have fallen out. <laughs> uh, well, I think Johnny Depp is still canceled, isn't he? No. Or did he get canceled? Uh, he didn't I get canceled. He got fired by WB. Oh, yeah, that's right. People canceled WB. <laughs> <laughs> So anything for yeah. Dead. Speaking of Dark Shadows, um, I remember when this trailer dropped uh, in a movie that me and my mom were watching together in theaters, and she's like, "Ooh, Dark Shadows." And I was like, "How do you know what Dark TV Shadows show. is?" And she was like, "When I was a kid, that was a TV show." Oh yeah. And knowing that Tim Burton's doing it and Johnny's connected, it's going to be a dark, gritty show like the show should be. I was like, "Well, it's going to be a movie." And she's like, "Well, we should go see it when it comes out." So we went together. Her as a Dark Shadows fan from her childhood, and me as a Johnny Depp fan. I was like, okay, cool. She left, she went, they changed so much. Yeah. Pisses me off. Not good. They changed so much. I was like, I I don't know what they changed. She was like, well, we're going to find it, and I'm going to show you the show. I was like, I don't think that's a good idea, because then I might end up hating this movie. We never did. We never found it. I never went back and watched the old Dark Shadows. So do you like the movie standalone? I don't. Without? I wouldn't say I love the movie. Um, his vampire character is like a mixture of Ichabod Crane and Char- and Willy Wonka. Oh, no. Kinda. I haven't seen it. I don't hate it. It's a star-studded cast. I didn't hear anything Pfeiffer and it. Depp uh, is phenomenal together. And I mean, he's good, and it's it's a great tale. It's dark, hence the name. Um, <laughs> but it's worth watching. I'll say that mm-hmm. it's worth watching at least once. I mean, I would say that about every, you know, if someone's like, I haven't seen a Tim Burton movie, I would say, well, you need to sit down and watch his 
at least his directorial library. Even Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Even Charlie. You need to watch Tim Burton films so you can see the macabre that the the Burtonisms that he brings. Mm -hmm. Because even someone like our former theater teacher, Mr. Malloy, has respect for Burton and some of the stuff he does. And our film teacher, Larry Clifton, even at one point, I remember in a class, talked about there are things Burton does I, I despise in film. And there are things that, in artistry that I think no one will ever be able to recreate again. When, when you get to the point where someone can look at a piece of film or a character design and mm-hmm. say, oh, that's Tim Burton, mm-hmm. or that's inspired by Tim Burton, mm-hmm. or that is like Tim Burton, when you have that your own style all to yourself, I think you've done pretty well for yourself. Yes. And that's what Tim Burton has, because any of us can, can see a stop motion nightmare before Christmas type mm-hmm. thing and say, Oh, this is just like Tim Burton. Without Tim Burton, Coraline wouldn't have been made. Yeah. That was straight out of his world. Uh he didn't I think he was a producer, not the director, but uh you remember nine? Like uh, the little doll Elijah's in it. Elijah Wood was yeah. in it and all that. I didn't uh, see it. I, I I did see it. I didn't I didn't love it. It was okay. Yeah. But I mean Coraline for everything that people love about Coraline, it's like uh that wouldn't have happened without Nightmare. Exactly. Or Corpse Bride. Exactly. Uh, but moving on, Frankenweenie. Fun fact about this. This is not his first time doing Frankenweenie. Second time. Second time. It was one of his first live-action short movies in 1984 was Frankenweenie. With Disney. With Disney. And now this was his return to the story of Frankenweenie. Kind of like they were like, you know that movie you made back in 84? We're going to give you another shot at it. With animation. I've just randomly thought about the differences between Tim Burton and Rob Zombie. What? Well, you know... People simil- like Tim Burton? <laughs> <laughs> People like Rob Zombie. I mean, I saw his Halloween movies, man. <laughs> hey, I bet Rain Wilson likes Rob Zombie. Probably. He was in his movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't hate Devil's Rejects. but Well, but like, you know, they just released that picture from the set of the Munsters. That Rob Zombie is directing. And um, I'm kind of excited about it. Oh, I'm stoked. You know. I watched that show with my grandmother. Right. So, imagine what it would be like if Tim Burton did it. I feel like Rob it'd Zombie... Be more, it'd be more similar to the show was. I don't know. I think Rob Zombie's going to do better. Because I think it's going to have a serious tone to it. Tim Burton, even for the dark tone, at the same time, it's very lighthearted, too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Now I'm here for Christmas. There's monsters and scary stuff, yeah. and this is Halloween and all that. But all these characters are really simple and gentle. And like Edward Scissorhands, he looks horrific, but he's this kind, gentle creature, right? Yeah. You know? He looks like uh, the stare he has <laughs> I, when someone's like uh, Brian. Uh, we were talking about different Johnny Depp movies and. Uh, or it might not have been Brian at work. Somebody at work, we're talking about different Depp movies and Depp looks, Depp faces. Stuff like that for different movies he does, like Jack Sparrow's face and stuff. I was like, and they said, what would you call Edward Scissorhands' face? I said, Edward Scissorhands is the six-year-old who just left his parents' room after walking in on them, trying to end when someone goes, what did you see, Ed? Oh, but you know that the best moment of Edward Scissorhands, speaking of like faces and stuff, 
is when the dad pours him the shot of the whiskey and he drinks it. <laughs> it's almost like this. Help. Well, he told, him, <laughs> he told him it was lemonade or something. Yeah. Right? And then when the sexy neighbor was like, oh, would you like some lemonade? He's like, no, get me out of here. <laughs> no, no. When he sits on the waterbed. Oh. <laughs> I felt so terrible for That's him. That's a great one. Uh, so, Big Eyes. Have you seen Big Eyes? Nope. I, mean, I haven't seen any of the recent stuff. Uh, Big Eyes is a 2014 American biographical drama directed by Tim Burton. Um, Amy Adams is in it. And Christ- Christoph Waltz. Uh, he's in Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. This is going to be good. Uh, the film is about the life of American artist Margaret Keane, famous for painting and drawing portraits of people. Hmm. Interesting choice. Uh, so you have not seen Miss Peregrine's. No. Let me tell you. I... Um, I fell in love with uh, Ava Green in 300. Yeah. I fell even more in love with her in this, and it's a totally different role. It's not some sexy, sultry role, but just her performance. She's my cast for uh, uh, Nightmare. Wasn't she a Bond girl? She was. Brosnan's Bond. No. No. Early Craig. Yeah, like Casino Royale. Like Casino Royale. Yeah, that's what I um, She is my casting for either Lady Loki or Nightmare. If Nightmare shows Ooh, up in yeah, MCU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to have her as anything in anything. MCU. Anything. There's a lot of people I can say that for. but. Oh, yeah. Um, but, and, yeah, this, this movie's pretty good. Um, I mean, it's pretty star-studded, too. It's based on a novel. Yeah, there's like four of those books. Yeah. And I think I have them. From like my middle school teacher days, yeah, uh, but uh, not read them. I mean, Allison Janney's in it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, she's I love in her. It. Um, um, I'm pretty sure Sam Jackson's in it as well, if I remember correctly. In Miss Peregrine? Yeah. Let me check this out. I'm looking right now. Yes, Ava Green, Asa Butterfield, Chris O'Dowd, Allison Janney, Rupert Everett, Terrence Stamp. Ella Purnell, Judy Dench, and Samuel L. Jackson. Well, because Samuel L. Jackson is in literally everything. But this was his first Tim Burton film. Ah, <laughs> uh, but I bet it won't be his last. It life. won't be his last. He got he got a a, a bite from that yeah. Burton bug. Oh uh, yeah. And I did not see Dumbo. I haven't seen it either. Um, I I was excited about it initially because I was like, oh wow, Devito and Burton back together again. Um. <sighs> But I never really loved Dumbo. You know? I never really loved that animated movie as a kid. Just like I can't say I loved Pinocchio. I liked Pinocchio better than Dumbo. Oh, I mean, I like it better than Dumbo. Uh, It says that uh, the film Dumbo was criticized for its lack of emotional depth. How can you have a movie about an elephant with big ears who gets bullied and just wants to fit in and say it doesn't have emotional depth? That's because they didn't have Johnny depth. Uh, uh, insert. <laughs> wow. I know, man. I didn't see it. Uh, that's the last thing he directed. 2019. And I'm not seeing that there's anything on the slate for the... Well, I know he's involved with something coming up. Uh, Wednesday? About adult Wednesday Adams? Adams? Yeah. Okay. I think he's involved in that. Uh, It's supposed to be a Netflix show, I believe. Wow. It's a series about adult Wednesday. 
Live action? Uh, I think so. They need to get what's-her-face that played her on Broadway to play her. Uh, Christina Rodriguez? Christina Ricci needs to play Morticia in it. Oh, that'd be great. Because she's Wednesday exactly. in the movies. Exactly. That'd be oh, great. Because of it. Giving away more of those million dollar oh, ideas. No. you got to stop i got to stop that. that. Uh, so, one that he didn't direct that we say belongs in the list of Burton. Probably, if not at the top, top three. Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. I would say number one. I mean, it is even called Tim Burton's. He might not have directed it, quote-unquote, but he created it. It's his creation. It's his baby, his world, his characters, his stop motion, his artistry, his his macabre. His style. Style. Um, I mean. And then throw in the Danny Elfman music, like everything else pretty much. Yeah. You got to win it. I think there's only like three things they haven't worked on together. Very few, yeah. Awards he's won. Uh, he has won Best Animated Feature, or he was nominated for, twice for Best Animated Feature in Corpse Bride and Frankenweenie. He was nominated uh, uh, Best Direction, Best Film for Big Fish, and Best Animated Film for Frankenweenie. He not, was nominated for Best Feature Film for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at the Yeesh. British Academy Children's Awards. That's why we've never heard of it. <laughs> Um, some Emmys he won, Outstanding Children's Animated Program, Beetlejuice. Wow. <laughs> the thing that we said, it's not good. It was not good. <laughs> um, In 1991, I guess it was. Right? won Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy with Alice in Wonderland. Okay. Another one we said, not that good. Uh, apparently the Academy loves it. <laughs> Saturn Awards. He has won Best Fantasy Film with Edward Scissorhands. Best Fantasy Film with The Nightmare Before Christmas. Best Animated Film with Corpse Bride. Best Animated Film with Frankenweenie. Yeah. All his wins are in animation. And tons of other things as yeah, well. Yeah, tons. I'm telling you, BAFTAs, Academy Awards, Golden Globes. The nominations are endless uh, for Apparently he's been knighted in France. So why don't we call him Sir Tim Burton? Because it's France and not, not England. England. What is something you want to see Burton tackle? That, I'm gonna, it's going to be a, a two-parter. Right. One, what would you like to see Tim Burton tackle that's already been established? Two, what would you like to see Tim Burton attack, tackle that's not in visual entertainment? You go first. Okay. I really think that Tim Burton would have done a fantastic uh, live-action uh, Fern Gully. Okay, okay. Uh, it's already established. It's an animated. You know, Robin Williams voices Batty. You remember that? Yes. The sludge yeah, yeah, yeah. monster. Terrifying as a kid, but fantastic. I wanted to see him tackle, and vi- that is not in visual entertainment, as in like live action. Let's say that. I would like to see Tim Burton tackle a Clayface origin story. <laughs> Could you imagine him working in that, you know, the world that started... Clay, before he was Clayface, you know, he's an actor and stuff like that. Um, I'd like to see him tackle the origin of Clayface, and I would also like to see him tackle the origin of Sinister, Mr. Sinister. So you went straight to the... To the comic book world. To the comic book world. I did not. Like, I had a book in my mind, but I've forgotten the title of the book I want him to to tackle. Okay. As far as something that he that has been done that if he did it would be different 
but I think would also be good. Shrek. Okay. How about that? Shrek would be really interesting under the Tim Burton style. I don't know about as good, but it would be definitely be different. And I think it would have been good. Uh, something that I would like to see him do that has not been done, mainly because of that little short that we talked about earlier, Vincent. Um, I would say like a little, like an anthology series of the works of Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, uh, yeah. Telltale Heart, Cask of Amontillado. Yeah, all those. Animated or not. And then other than that, like another musical. Like a musical that, that hasn't been done. So okay. like like what he did with Sweeney Todd. Okay. Except this time maybe not with Johnny Depp. He should do a movie of Jacqueline Hyde. I had that on the tip of my tongue. So. Uh, the book I was thinking of is The Thirteen Hallows. Uh, I read this book... Uh, 2014, 2015, something like that. It's fantastic. Uh, it's written by Colette Friedman uh, and, oddly, Michael Scott, but not that Michael Scott. Great Scott. Um, it's a really cool book. I highly recommend it. If you're into reading, check out The Thirteen Hallows. Uh, I think he could bring that to live action phenomenally. Uh, I highly recommend that. Before we close out, Top five, Tim Burton. I can already tell you, my number one is Beetlejuice. That's my number one. Now, we're talking not... Director. Just director? Just so, director. like, Nightmare doesn't count? No. It would be in a league of its own anyways. Uh, Beetlejuice is number one for me. Beetlejuice is number one for me. Uh, two is going to be Edward Scissorhands. Mm -hmm. Three, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Wow. Wow. Uh, I'd have to say two is Batman. 89 for me. Four, Batman. Three for me is Sleepy Hollow. I'm actually going to say that I... No. Yeah, Batman four for me. Okay. Four for me would probably have to be Sweeney Todd, just because the macabre world. Um, the coloration. Just the droll... Because, I mean, it's it's not a happy story. Like, it's not the musical you go to see. And if there's anyone who could have brought it to the live action, it's Tim Burton. I'm actually going to give Sweeney my number six, even though we're not going that far. So, Sweeney didn't quite make the cut. Uh, no, actually, dis disregard that. Edward is four. Sweeney is five. Nope, not Sweeney. March Tax is five. Freaking love March Tax. My five is going to be Big Fish. Big Fish. It's yeah. good. 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 Thank you so much for tuning in, Nerds and Nerdettes. This was a little bit more of a listing episode, you know, not as, uh, it's, but pretty organic. We freestyle. just talked about our thoughts, a little freestyle, not a whole lot of notes to read from. Uh, what are your favorites of Tim Burton? Uh, we just really got into his directorial um, role. Uh, we didn't really talk about, you know, his production credits, his if he just was an artist behind it, things like that. Uh, but we we want to hear from you. Did you ever see the Family Guy thing they did with uh, with Jack Skellington? No. Okay, it's terrible. Oh no. But <laughs> it's I don't know something like oh what if Tim Burton did a Fourth of July special, and it's like they're doing this is Halloween but like Fourth of July stuff. 
And Jack Skellington goes, Fat girls with black hair have tattoos of me. It's true. Listen, it's okay. It's okay to be fat. Yeah, it's I'm not, just that's saying. Not the, I'm not laughing about the, that. I'm the just like, funny part is the, especially here in the South. It's true. There's Jack Skellington tattooed all over people. Look, we are. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And sometimes, you know, stereotypes are bad. Okay, are. like it's. <laughs> but they're there for. But it seems like. <laughs> the bigger girls have that's just Jack because Skellington. Nightmare Before Christmas really touched my heart that movie is my favorite movie of all time and I, it, I really I really feel like a kindred spirit of Jack Skellington's and, and Sally's like the girly girls who want to be like oh but I like the weird stuff too are the ones who have the Sally tattoos yeah I like weird stuff too okay you like Sally and Nightmare Before you don't like weird okay that doesn't make you weird it doesn't make you edgy or punk or nerdy Sally from, I mean, I love Sally. Love Catherine O'Hara. Love Nightmare Before Christmas. But having a tattoo or a shirt or sleeping pants of Sally does not make you a macabre <laughs> fan. It just doesn't. And you really do see it here, do you not? Here in the South, you see it. Like, I'm that's edgy. I love Sally. That's why I'm laughing. Just like... <laughs> Well, Seth MacFarlane, Family Guy, they go too far. Nobody's safe. Look, they, they say horrible, horrible, unforgivable things that in 2021 you can't say. <laughs> but it's just so funny. It's true. Fat girls with black, black hair. hair tattoos of me. <laughs> uh, they also did the, in uh, Family Guy Star Wars, remember when uh, in the very first one, Blue Harvest, where John Williams is killed? And disintegrate oh, yeah. goes. Now we ah, have to do this ah, whole thing great. with Danny Elfman. Now we have to finish this thing with Danny Elfman. You know what? I'm real edgy. My tattoo's gonna be Doctor Doctor Finkelstein. <laughs> Sally, Sally, you can't keep poisoning me. Gone lives. again. <laughs> Jack, my boy. Doctor, you know who uh, that is? Who voices Jack? The speaking voice. Yeah, Humperdinck. Humperdinck. I met him. I talked to him about it. Humperdinck, Humperdinck. Yeah. But Elfman sings him. He thought that I was one of those, like, weird fans who doesn't understand that, like, it's not real. He's not really a Jack Skeleton. Because I talked about, I'm a big fan. I really love that character. When I went to Disney World, I waited in line to, to have a picture with Jack Skeleton because he's only there for Halloween and Christmas. Yeah. And that was the longest line I've ever waited in at Disney was to get a picture with Sally and Jack. And I was telling him about this. He's like, oh, yes, well, but we know who the real Jack is, don't we? It's like, yes, sir, very nice. Yes, very nice. <laughs> uh, Man, this whole episode... What am I supposed to say, you? <laughs> oh, yeah. What am I supposed to say, you? No, the, the guy in the suit, he was Jack Skellington. I know because I saw him. I was there. I was there. Just because you did his voice doesn't make you the real one. You think he's special? Humperdinck. You think you're better than me? Boo! You <laughs> should start boo! Um, this entire episode has been... It's just been off the rails crazy. Off the rails. This is what but happens when we don't see nothing, each other Exactly. And nothing fits Tim Burton better, though, than an off the rails crazy episode. Yeah. Uh, we'll have a little bit more established uh, coherency next week. <laughs> 
when we talk Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Not Tim Burton, because he Tim didn't Burton. do Ghostbusters. No, he did not. That would be Ivan Reitman, who did Ghostbusters. Whom I, if you did not know this, recently saw on a panel at New York Comic Con, where they allowed us to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, I don't know if I told oh, you I that. I haven't heard about it. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about it, because I'm not spoiling anything for y'all. It's going to be really difficult for you, I feel like. No. You don't think this one, man... I I wouldn't do anything to spoil because I want everyone to experience every single second I did. Well, aren't you sweet? I know. But seriously, Batman shows up and... <laughs> he busts the ghost. He busts the Ghostbusters. Busted. That's, yeah. Batman's the Ghostbuster Buster. So, yeah. Um, it's like putting a hat on a hat. Yeah. It's like Inception. <laughs> uh, exactly. So... Ghostbusters, next week. We're going to talk about 1 and 2. We're not going to talk about Afterlife, because I'm not going to spoil it. may even talk a little bit about the animated series, the one that they attempted to do. Which I haven't seen. Which I have, but I did not finish. Ah. No disrespect to those comedians. They're mm -hmm. all very funny comedians. It's just... Outside of that. You need to watch it. Okay. You do need to watch it. Um, picture. Uh, the only thing I'll say is it's Earth Two. No. Okay, it's Earth Two. It's not mm -hmm. Earth One. Okay. Where we have our Ghostbusters. Um, it's Earth Two. I'm picking up what you're doing. So, uh, we're talking Ghostbusters next week. Hit us up on a hashtag on Twitter, Thirty and Nerdy Pod. We're talking Ghostbusters. We want to know what your thoughts are about Ghostbusters. If you happen to be in that panel with us at New York Comic Con, keep your mouths shut. Don't spoil it for anybody. Uh, what are your favorite Ghostbusters memories growing up? I know that one thing that uh, I, I most loved was obviously the quick whip of like Bill Murray in the movies. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of that. But while you're at it, uh, go to 30nerdypodcast.com. Check out the directory. We're all over the place. Social media heavy. Um, you can check out the blogs. You can check out, sign up for our nerd newsletter that comes out every now and then with updates and behind-the-scenes stuff and things that are coming up. We are, you know, it's it's crazy to think, man, that we're we're almost in November, and we're, we're only halfway done with Halloween. I know content at that point, and you know, before you know it, we'll be taking our our winter break and coming back with season four. Wow. It's insane. Time flies. Sure has. It has. This episode brought to you by Tim Burton. <laughs> I don't have you at my side
can tell